This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Lifestyles podcast for the Fire Pit, which is produced by the Torch editorial staff, which is them produced by Bulldog Radio. Ooh. Many <laughs> things. So I am our host, Marissa Russell, the Lifestyles editor, and I'm joined by some lovely ladies. So I have Kaylin Johnson, our managing copy editor. Hello. Veronica Mascaro, our social media manager. Yes, hello. I that and Cora our Cora Hall our editor-in-chief hello so today to end women's month because we have five days left oh uh, yeah, I, I don't know math every okay. month is women's month but that it's just very true. we're celebrating it this month <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna talk about our favorite women that have influenced us our women role yeah models. our role models <laughs> No, not even our women. Just our role models, yeah. Kaylin. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Kaylin. Why well, you got to add a woman on Do you know what's it, cool right? is my role model, well, role model recently got named as a role model by a football player in, like, a very big press conference. So that oh, was wow. pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I think we all decided to pick someone that's, like, like in, like, well-known throughout society. Um. Or, like, they're... Did you? Um, no, I didn't. So, like, actually, I chose mine because I'm participating in this event through OMSS. So, if you guys have free time, it's going to be Zoom. Let me just plug it real quick. So, it's called Hidden Figures. Yes. And so, basically, with Hidden Figures, it's like a virtual living wax museum. So, all these women from different organizations on campus are going to be dressing up like women in history who made an impact that might not be known as well or they might be known pretty well so i'm actually going to be representing mine today if you have free time be sure to stop by from six to seven on march 30th the link to the zoom is available at fsu omss on instagram thank you veronica of course and my person is like somewhat well known, but I don't think that everybody will immediately. I actually you've gone like th- three I different. I know that I know that not everyone will immediately know her. I got told I couldn't pick a fictional character, but whatever. <laughs> well, we want to talk about women who have done like good things for other women and people in general, like in society. Okay, well, hear me out. I read more than I do anything else, and that's how I base so all my like. You know a lot of influential women if you read a lot. They're yeah. fictional. We'll pick an author. Well, you I don't read the same she, author. She picked someone. We're ready. Who wants to start? Not it. I'll start because if Thank you don't, you. if you don't know mine, you probably live under a rock. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked about this in my column a couple weeks ago, but one of my like favorite role models is Megan Rapinoe. She's a U.S. women's soccer player, um, and she wasn't actually super popular when I stir- first started following her because it was 2011 in the World Cup, and the U.S. lost to Japan. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was so sad, and it like actually made me a fan of the team, though, because then they came back with like just this burning passion to beat everybody, and they really have ever since, um, but the 2012 Olympics was when I really started like watching every single game, and I was the same position as Megan Rapinoe at the time, so I loved watching her and like. What position? She was uh, outside forward. Okay. So yes. It was it was like fun to watch someone and like 
try to learn from them. And then, you know, along with being my favorite player, then like four years later in 2016, when um, Colin Kaepernick was kneeling at football games, she was one of the only um, athletes to do that in solidarity with him, which was really cool to see. And it really kind of influenced me to this day of like, you can stand up for what's right, even if nobody else is, Mm -hmm. or you can kneel for what's right, either one. But that was kind of like the first time I really dug into social issues and really informed myself and made a decision about if I wanted to support that or not. And so that's kind of like stay with me to this day. And also she has pink hair. Like, you know, <laughs> she's, she's, she's a, I, I can't say the word. my hair. <laughs> but like, I mean, her, there's so many women in sports, you know, basically everyone in the WNBA is my role model too. So <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm wearing my WNBA hoodie right now. Um, but yeah, she's my role model. And if I ever got to meet her, I think I would cry. <laughs> she was just at the White House, actually, too, which was sweet. If you haven't seen her in um, Midge Purse's like, speeches, you definitely should watch them. Thank you, Cora. So cool. I didn't even know I was in WNBA. Like, you wear it all the time. And I was just like, ah, orange. <laughs> yeah, it's the WNBA logo. It was named the fashion statement of the year by the Sports Business Journal last year, so... I love that. It looks really cool. fashion. It's a trend. (laughs) (laughs) Hop on it. (laughs) All right. I can go next if you'd like. Um, My role model is Charlotte Perkins Gilman, and she is an author from the 1900s. She wrote The Yellow Wallpaper, and she also wrote a book called Women and Economics. So the thing that she really, like, focused on throughout her life was just... Um, feminism in general, being an activist in that, and also for mental health issues specifically regarding women. So the way that women were treating and re- treated in regards to mental health, she, when she had her first child, she had postpartum depression, which wasn't able to wasn't diagnosed back then. So instead, they just kind of acted as if she was a little bit crazy and put her on a what's called a rest cure. <laughs> So that just means you are pretty much refined to your bed for however long it takes you until you're, like, deemed back to normal. What? Yeah. So she ended up writing the yellow wallpaper based on that, and it's about a woman who suffers from a mental illness after being confined to her bedroom in the attic of a vacation home by her husband. And they talk occasionally about, like, a baby as if there was one, but you never see the baby. Like, she never gets to see the baby or anything like that. So we think, a lot of people think that, it, like, she took influence from her own, like, postpartum depression. And she used it kind of as a call of action for readers to recognize, like, the complexity and legitimacy of women's mental health struggles. And, like, to kind of benefit therapy like their different therapeutic remedies and like push away from like the strange ones that they like got like from for women when they were just kind of saying like uh they're probably there's not really anything wrong with them you know like they're just kind of acting so we'll just give them a rest cure so the same kind of stuff but yeah so she used it to advocate for better diagnosis too which is really important And then Women in Economics was a whole long book that she wrote focusing on encouraging women to gain financial independence from anyone else. And here I have a quote from her that I just think is great. 
the economic independence and specialization of women as essential to improvement of marriage, motherhood, domestic industry, and racial improvement. So that was her goal with women in economics. And then following all of that, I believe, she ran a magazine called The Forerunner where she published a lot of her work. And the whole point of the magazine, here's another quote from her, is it stands for human progress and concentrates upon the prog progress of women only because their present position in the, is the world's stumbling block. So that's kind of the main thing. Like she ended up, did end up committing suicide at the end of her life because of a breast cancer um, diagnosis. So she, the whole, her whole kind of life was like rooted in a lot of like mental illness struggles and stuff, but she really fought past a lot of that or she fought to like make it more well known which I think is one of the most important things mental health activism is really important to me so I really really that's why she's my role model and I'm guessing you've read her books hopefully I have read the yellow wallpaper and a few other of her short stories from the forerunner one of her stories from the forerunner is called her land and it was a book like about a utopia of an all-woman society which is really cool so I mean I recommend that one too I really want to read that now yeah <laughs> that's very interesting see I don't I feel like that would be like I would not have fun reading that what like, I don't know I just like dr like romance too much <laughs> and like I think there's romance in it possibly Lesbians I haven't people. read the whole thing okay, no I like reverse <laughs> harem type stuff you're like what reverse harem so a regular harem is one man with a groupies of women. A reverse harem is one female with a group of men. So like a love triangle, but the woman is... Like with five plus men. So, so Marissa's life. I'm gaining a lot of insight into Marissa right now, <laughs> and things are really making sense in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, well, on that note, I can, I can go next. So um, when I was picking my my woman, I kind of went went back to my roots and kind of like what I experienced growing up because being, you know, a Mexican-American kid in the U.S., you don't get to see a lot of people in history books that look like you, let alone women. I mean, the history books are already full of men, so finding a like a, a Mexican, oh, yes. Am I not off on the mic? I'm off the mic. Okay, sorry. My apologies. So finding, like, you know, a Latina woman or just, you know, like, in general is just incredibly hard as it is. So um, my woman is Juvita Idar. She's a Mexican-American journalist, so that's really fitting. And she's as well an activist and suffragist. So with her story, her family, they owned a newspaper back in 1885. To, she, was, she died in 1946. So, um... They had a newspaper called La Cronica, and so she was working there for news and activism regarding Mexican-American rights. So she often spoke about racism, and during this time, the Mexico Revolution was going on. So then her and her family, they organized the first Mexican Congress to unite our, and unify Mexicans across the border to help fight injustice, and they talked about a lot of like education and economic resource um, issues. And then she also was really big on you know women's suffrage rights and encouraging women to vote and all that type of stuff and the really cool thing about that was you know her family was all about that too they also like advocated for women's rights because they knew it was really important about it 
And then she also became the first president of La Liga Femenil Mexiquista, which is the League of Mexican Women. And so um, it was started um, to pr help provide education for Mexican-American students. And then also during her time, um, she went to the Mexican Revolution to serve as a nurse and help the people you know, who, who were injured. And then she also wrote um, an article protesting Woodrow Wilson's you know, decision to send the troops to uh, the border. And um, you know the U.S. Army, they didn't like that, so they sent like troops to go shut down their office of um, her newspaper. And she stood at the front door, and she, like she wouldn't let them in. And you know, eventually, um, they came back and they forced her newspaper to shut down. But even though it was shut down, she didn't stop writing. So she continued and um, kept writing for the newspaper, even though you know it was shut down. And so. You know, learning about her and being able to learn about her is something really cool because I feel like if I would have learned something like that when I was like, you know, in high school or maybe elementary school, it would have been so motivating to, you know, learn about and it would have encouraged me more to like go into journalism. Definitely. I that is she sounds amazing, first of all. The annoying thing yeah. is is that all of our textbooks and stuff for our like school, like before college is all like super predated, like the ones that we had to read study we're probably like 20 plus years mm -hmm. old and so you know that they're not gonna buy any new ones soon so they're not unless teachers take initiative to like teach outside of the textbooks mm -hmm. kids aren't gonna learn anything mm -hmm. like that it's quite interesting how <laughs> that happens mm -hmm. and also even in college we don't necessarily learn mm -hmm. you have to actively pursue you know if you want to learn about those mm -hmm. types of things i mean my freshman year I specifically did a research project about Mexican-American figures because I wanted people to know about like more Mexican, or not necessarily even Mexican-American figures, just like Latino figures in general. Mm -hmm. So that way people could know like, hey, there are these people who are out here doing, you know, incredible things and making progress. And like, these are the types of things that like prevent, you know, students from like progressing in life because they don't see people that look like them doing like great and big things like, you know, everybody else does so it really is like an issue when it comes to representation yeah representation is one of the most important things I could think of when it comes to education when mm -hmm. it comes to you know starting your career when it comes to really most of life when you see movies you see you know books anything like having someone who you can relate to background wise the way you look the things that you do is so important and it's so powerful because mm -hmm. um, like even as a kid like, I didn't even realize why, but, like, okay, Mulan was always my favorite princess, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm, and it's, like... Hey, same. When Until Brave came. <laughs> when you find those, like, Disney, like, I mean, and now it's, like, Mina Kimes is my hero. But it's mm -hmm. those people who have the same background as, background as you is really powerful mm -hmm. to see them in a role where you see yourself in yeah. the future. Yeah, as an English major, we focus a lot of time here at Ferris on the idea of diverse books so there's a whole organization called we need diverse books which we kind of look into and do in like children's literature and adolescent literature we kind of do like a full project based on the whole thing which i think is so important and i think that as far as literature goes here they're they're really trying to bring in more diverse authors and i we really focused in like British lit, we focused a lot on the women authors instead of just focusing on all the old white men mm -hmm. that wrote, which I thought was really, really great. 
There's a really cool advancement in book talk right now where a lot of people are pushing for more recognition in, like, the LGBTQ community. They have a lot of books that are coming out right now that, like, have African folklore that, mm-hmm. like, is just phenomenal. I haven't actually gotten to read it, but all the reviews Children I've seen. Children of Blood and Bone. Amazing. Everybody should read it. And there's just so much going on throughout the entire, like, community of the world right now for and it's just amazing because like like two three years ago i don't remember ever seeing anything like this mm-hmm. um with that i guess i'll go to mine so i can remember growing up watching disney channel and seeing demi lovato on like camp rock and uh uh what's it called so random or oh, um. the Sunny with a chance. Yes. Sunny with a chance. And I thought she was just hilarious and always so happy. Well, I remember, I I can distinctly remember being in my mom's room reading one of those, like, trashy magazines you get from the grocery store. And it was talking about how Demi Lovato had cuts on her wrist and how she said that it was just from hair ties. And instead of getting to the point of why Demi Lovato, who portrayed herself as someone who was so happy having these cuts they just kind of like shamed her for it and Demi Lovato has had such a bad reputation throughout the entire like media for her drug abuse and it's just insane to me that people can be so cruel to her when she puts her whole heart on her sleeve and like comes to people and talks about it like I can remember distinctly back in July 2018 she suffered an overdose and almost died and was sent to the hospital. And people were just making memes about it and saying horrible stuff. And mm-hmm. so I think that she is an incredibly powerful woman because I like even with all that, she still like talked about her struggles and like it was there on me. Like if I was her, I would have just like disappeared because after seeing all those hateful stuff, why would I come back? Mm-hmm. But she like kept going and like realize that she could be influential influential for other people who go through the same kind of thing uh glamour did an article that's where i'm looking up all of her information and it literally goes like through every single year of like her entire like mental health substance abuse and like where it all started for her and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of sad because she was 18 when she first I think it's 18 when she started cocaine, I want to say. It was when she was pretty young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, sh- like, she's just had a rough start and nobody has ever, like, the media hasn't given her a, like, easy go at it. Yeah. Well, and I think there's two things to kind of unpack there is, one, um, these Disney Channel stars, like, taking these kids, throwing them in the limelight like that and making them, like, national celebrities is just such a insane you know concept to me Mm -hmm. thinking back on it and nobody knew what the effects of that would be on these kids because it had never been done before Mm -hmm. you know like when we were kids that was like a very new thing and now all of these kids grew up into these young adults who have all these struggles Mm -hmm. and who have been never had a normal life and it's such an been such a I don't know wild thing to watch unfold and it I have so much empathy for them because they were literally thrown into this world of Hollywood and this fame and this weight of responsibility at the same time and when they're growing up like when mm-hmm. I was 16 
I was probably, I was a different person than I am now. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. just, it would be very hard to do that. And the other thing is the way the media treats women who make mistakes or mm-hmm. the women who, you know, struggle with drug abuse or women who, like, I remember when Hope Solo had those, um, like, assault um, charges against her. The entire media demonized her. Like, made her sound like the absolute worst person on this earth. And I'm like, how many men can you think of? I'm not defending her, but I am saying, can how many men have you thought of who you've seen them getting written about the media about, like, assault allegations? And it's just, like, one and done kind of over. Mm-hmm. We're used to this. But when it's a woman, it's like she gets absolutely... Um, it also uh, depends on, like, where destroyed. you are in, like, your career, too, because, like... She was supposed to be, like, this role model. Mm-hmm. And so everyone just wrote her off because she was teaching these kids these bad things. But, like, Motley Crue, who was in rock and roll, that's fine that they do, like, all these drugs and stuff. And one of them even, I believe, like, was drunk or high when he was driving. And ex- uh, I think he, he either killed someone or severely hurt someone. And it was just fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that also has to do with the fact that they're men in the rock and roll industry. Like, that's what's expected of you yeah. if you're in the rock and roll. Like, you mm-hmm. have to be hardcore. Yeah, but that's just a, a whole another interesting discussion mm-hmm. about the way that women are treated in the media versus men. Yes. But um, I don't know if we want to go around and maybe say, like, kind of expand on how our role models, like, influenced us to this mm-hmm. point. Because I feel like that's kind of a, an important part of having role models recognizing what you learned from them and how they kind of changed you. Mm-hmm. Um you want to start, Cora? Yeah, I can start. Because um, I would say before I started, I mean, I was young too, but like when I was 15, 16, I was like not very opinionated and I didn't want to be, you know, that person who's always like has these strong opinions and is getting into arguments about things that like they do matter, but like when you were in high school, they didn't really matter that much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but once I, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing and then um, Megan Arpino started doing it and I, w- I was really like looking up stuff about it because I was like I don't know how I feel about this and I did the research and I was like no like he's actually doing a very good thing and he is doing it in the right way and that was the first time like I really my first like journalistic like journey mm-hmm. I guess because yeah. I was like looking up all this stuff and I was like well what's right and what's wrong people are saying this and people are saying that so I really dug into it and it's kind of changed how I see um, sports. It's how I change. It's changed how I see social issues. It's changed how I see myself in those and my role in that. And it's really kind of set the course of like how I even want to go about my career. You know, mm-hmm. to this point, like I do see myself as an advocate for women and for people of color. And so it's it's kind of cool to kind of trace back that first time that I really started looking into social issues like this within sports mm-hmm. and to see that Megan Rapinoe is still kind of a pillar of the um, pillar of being a spokesperson for you know women in sports and fighting for equal pay for the women's soccer team and and for e- equality and inclusion for all people in all sports and it's really been inspiring to me from 2016 up until now so mm-hmm. Veronica, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So I kind of already did touch on it a little bit on, you know, how, like, it can have such a big impact having that representation. But I think it really kind of hit hard this year since I'm in, like, like an awkward phase of being, like, in between my junior and, like, senior year. I'm graduating next fall, so it's like I'm a senior right now, but I'm also a junior at the same time, so Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be around. And so, like, a lot of the classes that I'm taking right now, they revolve all around, like, creating your brand and developing, you know, 
things that you want to do. So like I wasn't a hundred percent sure in like the direction that I wanted to go in with like all those projects and you know within myself. And then like also at the same time I've been having issues you know with my writing you know knowing if I'm good enough you know struggling to like be able to pick up the pen or I guess open the the laptop and like you know put like your words down onto a keyboard. So it's been really hard with that and you know learning about Jovita it has been like really impactful I'd say because it just kind of like inspires me to do more because you know she was like you know confronted with like all this adversity and different things that she had to encounter in her life and you know all these roadblocks and like obstacles of being a woman in like you know the journalism world when there weren't many rights for women um, mm -hmm. during this time so like for example within Stack's class like it kind of inspired me to revolve like all my stories around like Latino issues and like with that I've been able to like really write about like stories that like fully interest me and like issues within like the Latino community that I find to be really important and it's been really cool because I've been able to like get my motivation to write stories again back so I feel like slowly but surely I'm making my way there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a big part of journalism, you know, like obviously you can't have every job you be, be your passion job and like you can't always cover what you want to mm -hmm. cover but like finding like the thing that makes you tick, you know, mm -hmm. the people that you want to cover, the stories you want to tell, that is such a powerful thing in a journalist's career. And so I'm really glad that you found that. And yeah, I, I think it's just a really, really cool thing. I'm so happy that we're in SACS class right now because I feel like this is the best journalism class we've mm -hmm. had because you can really, like, this is the class that you can really just find, figure out what you want to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's been really nice. Kaylin? So with Charlotte Perkins Gilman, I would say the thing that, she, the way that she's influenced me most is just in my ability to kind of like accept my mental health issues. So before I had read any of her works, I kind of like had started acknowledging that I probably had some like anxiety issues, but I hadn't really like done anything about it and after finally like reading through her stuff and like seeing how she encouraged people to kind of like write their feelings so the lady in the in the yellow wallpaper she is writing in a journal and it's kind of her way of like getting through it and even though her husband is telling her no you're not allowed to write you're not allowed to pick up the pen like that's too much work you're supposed to be on your rest here the way she writes kind of like helps her through the whole thing and that was really influential for me so I started to write some poetry and things like that about my mental health struggles and that has been really helpful for me and I think that that's probably the way that she influenced me the most I love it. I love your poetry. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I, I need to start reading more poetry because whenever I come across it, I, I just, like, sit there and I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> how did this person, like, come up? Because, like, I'm not very good at, like, poems. Like, <laughs> this, like, feel that. I'm not good like at being able writing. to convey so much emotion and tell so much of a story in so few words is really mm -hmm. cool to me, so. I just, I really love language, mm -hmm. and I think it's, like, so cool how it can make you feel something, mm -hmm. like, I yeah, love dude. I love words. Some, some, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I get on like um, the side of TikTok where people post like their poems or like things like that, mm -hmm. and I'll read it and I'll just be like, 
crying and I'm like I did not come on this app to cry today. <laughs> uh, I like Rupee Car. How, mm-hmm. Is that how I, you say? I believe so. I like that you looked wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen her TikToks? They're 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 interesting. Is all I'll say. Mm-hmm. I have not. She seen has them. TikToks of her reading her her poetry. It's it's very interesting. Oh my gosh! Yes, because that's like obviously you're not always gonna get a poet reading their own poems, but that's mm-hmm. such a unique second part of their poetry is yes. how they read it and, and their it, intonation of their voice and their cadence is yes. really cool so that's one thing that i think is gonna i know this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about <laughs> but that's one thing that's going to be like so amazing in like future generations is that they're going to have so much more to study from like mm-hmm. people reading their own poetry which i think is amazing yeah i think that poetry is cool in that aspect too because when you read books and stuff yeah you can see where people end their sentences but you can't see where they're gonna like pause after mm-hmm. saying something because mm-hmm. when you say you like a sentence you don't necessarily say all in one flowing emotion mm-hmm. and in poetry you can like see where people like want you to take that breath and where like they take breaks where they put commas where they like separate things on the page okay I'm sorry. yeah let's, let's, let's no i have one more i have one more <laughs> thing okay. i think the most like powerful example of that in recent memory is amanda gorman's oh poem goodness, the hilly yes. climb because oh, yeah. you read it and you're like that is so good and like you I think you get a different feeling like reading it versus hearing it mm-hmm. so I think you should do both yes. but when you read it like it's obviously amazing and you're just like this is incredible mm-hmm. and I am so inspired and then you hear her perform it and I was just like chills down my whole body and it's like a whole different experience mm-hmm. like the way she speaks I don't know it just it's really moving mm-hmm. i guess i love that we have a woman as our youth poet laureate of the united mm-hmm. states and a woman as our poet laureate as well yes so this is kind of off track with the women's stuff but have you guys ever uh read or watched the perks of being a wallflower um, yes yes so there is a deleted scene in it and you can watch it on youtube and it's charlie reading a poem and it's absolutely like astounding because you don't really get to i haven't read the book yet but in the movie you don't ever get to really read charlie's like writings except for Mm -hmm. his like letters to his friend and so it's absolutely heartbreaking when he is at this christmas party and he reads his poem to his friend okay so for mine demi lovato has been like i grew up with demi lovato like she first started coming on to disney channel when we were what like six seven like around them she was i mean she was on barney i think oh Oh, yeah she's been i didn't watch barney though Barney scared me. Really? He was a little scary. Uh, <laughs> would you like a big man in a costume well, singing I mean, and dancing around you? Well, I didn't know he, it was a costume. Yeah. I didn't know Everyone was a man thought that he was a, a real child, purple dinosaur. Man, <laughs> I'm just realizing I'm the smartest kid, too. Marissa, I think your childhood just ended uh, a little early. Okay, well, okay, no, hear me out. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I've, I've kind of spoke on this before in other podcasts, but... I watched, like, tr- like Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. like, Law & Order SVU since I was, like, four. Heck no. Those those things scared me. I, I remember watching. I couldn't even traumatized. watch Harry Potter. I watched age. America's Most Wanted, and I thought, like, like one of those people were going to walk by, so I, like, closed Dude. my shades. I, like, hid under my bed. I went to sleep under my bed because I was so scared Dude, was so this man from Atlanta was going <laughs> to <surprise> me. <laughs> no, I remember my freshman year, I was really into Law & Order SVU, and I didn't have a suite mate for the first month of school, so the other it was just locked mm-hmm. and off like the lights were off so like my bathroom door would be open and i could see the door to the other suite that was empty and i'd be like watching law and order svu at night and i would just be like 
yeah, there's someone in there. I'm going to go lock my bathroom door because there's definitely someone in another room waiting to kill me once I go to bed. So I, if I would have watched that when I was four, mm-hmm. I think I... I might I have been, like, know. six. I was, like, super young, though, because, yeah. like, I watch, like, George Lopez and stuff, like... Um, well, like George Lopez smart. and Law and Arsio are two very no, different No, but, like, that's adult, like... Yeah, <laughs> no, because, like, I'd watch it, and the, uh, up until, like, 10 o'clock was when Law and Order would usually end, mm-hmm. and then George Lopez would come on <laughs> after for Nick, on, Nick at Night. Yeah. Uh, but, so, anyway, uh, with Demi Lovato, she was just, like... Don't lie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the transition. <laughs> <laughs> George Lopez, Demi Lovato, same, same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, like, just was always constantly in my life. Like, you always, Camp Rock was on, like, every single weekend at one mm-hmm. point. And then, like, uh, it's Sunny with a Chance was on, yeah. like, at least every couple of days. So I'm doing the dance that they were doing in Camp Rock. I don't know how it goes. I was like, <laughs> I thought you were trying to, like, do sign language oh, no. to me, and I was like, I don't know it. But so when I, like, found out that she had all these issues, it was just kind of, like, almost inspiring to know that she had such, like, a happy face to everyone on, like, the shows and stuff. And then she was just struggling inside, but she was so willing to, like, help everyone. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I really love her. And I feel like she's really kind of handled a lot of this with grace even though Mm -hmm. it it was a very difficult thing and it was very public you know Mm -hmm. like her overdose was very public oh it was all over and that's like a really hard thing i think to deal with while you are recovering from that and i don't know i i do have a lot of respect for how she handled herself throughout all that Mm -hmm. yeah i agree she was also someone that wasn't afraid to speak her mind like i don't know if you guys ever watch x factor but she was very polite and nice but she also was like give it back to someone if they were rude to her Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i thought that was wonderful at this point in the podcast we wanted to put in a trigger warning for those listening we will be delving into topics that involve sexual assault and the discussion of that moving forward so please just be aware of that as you continue to listen so for the last part of this podcast we wanted to kind of discuss a few I guess, relevant issues or or discussions that are going around about women in today's society and things we deal with. And we wanted to do it in like a positive way and an empowering way. And yeah, Marissa, do you want to bring up the TikTok you saw the other day? So I, there is currently a TikTok sound going around about put a finger down if you have had this done. And it's stuff like if you have had a comment said to you by a man that you just kind of laughed off, but you weren't okay, or if you were catcalled. And it was like, it was a lot of stuff that I have experienced, not only like since I've probably been 12, but like a lot more recently with being working at Wesco and like being more in the public. And there was a hot take done about it. And the girl said that she didn't, like, like, wasn't okay with the 97% thing because she didn't want women to see themselves as victims because this isn't, we're not victims because of it. Yes, this does happen, and yes, it's in our society, but just because it's happened to you doesn't mean that you are a victim, and we shouldn't see ourselves as victim because then we're not, like, looking at, like, we're just kind of making ourselves victims and, like, being more upset about it than being like let's do something different and let's change our society right the whole victimization or the term victim is not something i'm not really a fan of i prefer to use the term survivor when talking about someone who's um 
been through a sexual assault or something like that, I think that's much more powerful. It, it speaks to strength. It speaks to there is power in speaking up, and I really um, support that. So I think I do agree with the part where we shouldn't be calling ourselves victims, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a very like negative word to use. Um, and I think the whole 97% of women have been sexually harassed in you know these ways that where it's like comments or whether it's unwanted advances and it may not escalate to like sexual assault but it's these smaller things that are trying kind of interwoven throughout society and it's more of a systemic problem than just one person Mm -hmm. and so I think that was her point and I actually do agree with that um it is a systemic problem and it is very ingrained in society and a lot of women have internalized that too growing up so so a lot of people women now are realizing that and standing up for themselves and calling this stuff out and I think it's great I think we should be um pointing this out and telling our younger sisters and our and you know our daughters and and all these people all these women and bring them up in a way where they can recognize that comment wasn't okay or like I don't have to deal with this kind of treatment mm-hmm. i don't it's just sad because like if you watch all the like videos of girls reacting to it there's a lot of girls that were probably 15 or younger that were putting fingers down and it's like you shouldn't be sexualized like this like you mm-hmm. are not even old enough to like drive yet you're not old enough to do most things and you are being sexualized by men who and the thing is is that Men think it's okay to make comments like this and think it's okay to catcall and that we appreciate it. And the sick thing is, is that for a while I thought it was okay. Like that was a compliment to me if I ever got catcalled. And I didn't realize until I started going out to bars and stuff how disgusting it was because Mm -hmm. like in Reed City I go to bars that I – there's people that knew my – parents that went to high school with them that were making comments to me and I was like you are old enough to be my like father and you're gonna say this stuff to me like what is wrong with you why would you like you probably have a daughter my age would you be okay with things being said to her like this yeah I think I really like started noticing it when I started working in food service Mm -hmm. so I would always get comments from guys just like old men who like come in and be like oh so when do you get off work? And I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't really want to talk to you about like mm-hmm. anything. Well, it's, it's so creepy because sometimes they're aware about it too. I remember, I was coming back from swim practice. I, I did not look good. I was, you know, my hair was drenched. I was in, you know, my clothes. I stopped by the store so I could pick up something that my mom wanted me to pick up for her. This man comes in. I'm just trying to check out. He starts commenting about how sexy I am, and then he's like, "What? Well, you're probably." you're old enough to be my daughter like they recognize and they Mm -hmm. know that it's not okay but they still do it i haven't returned to that store since because i'm just terrified that that man was going to happen to be there and try to like harass me again Mm -hmm. it was just it was so traumatizing because i was like what maybe 15 16 at Mm -hmm. the time yeah it's just so common i remember once i was like walking into a gas station i decided to dress up this day so i was wearing like uh, a turtleneck and maybe and like skinny jeans or something so I was like proud of how I looked but then some guys like I think they honked their horn at me and like whistled out the window and the rest of the day I just felt like gross and I wanted to be it, yeah different. and I think it's they don't realize that having a stranger say something to you that makes you feel like I, I can't even explain it. It just makes you feel so mm-hmm. uncomfortable. 
and then like you almost just want to go home and change like you're just like it's it's drawn like unwanted attention to you Mm -hmm. because I would like to just exist as I am and not have people make comments at me when I don't know them Mm -hmm. and I don't want to engage with you in that way and I don't think it's cute when strangers flirt with me like I just want to go about my own day and Mm -hmm. if I want to look good that's great but then when you finally you're like I'm gonna look good today and you're like do your hair and put on a nice outfit and then it draws that unwanted attention it sucks Mm -hmm. because you're like this is gonna be such a good day and then it's like like, ruined it's like you're doing it for yourself Mm -hmm. time. like when I get dressed up and I like spend time like doing my hair doing my makeup like picking out a cute outfit I'm doing it for myself and then to be like picked out for it like looked at differently and said like oh and like as if I did it for someone else as I if I was doing it for them Mm -hmm. it just makes me so uncomfortable I hate the fact that also like you see men and it's not necessarily for you maybe it's just you're watching but you'll see men like stare at women's like butt and boobs Mm -hmm. and like there's been times where like I'll wait on a customer at Wesco and they will like just blatantly look at my chest and and I'm just wearing a regular t-shirt and it's like why like what's wrong with you like we I'm trying to like wait on you and you're just being so disrespectful right now yeah and then there's always people who are like well it's not all men but something I've seen recently circulating that I actually do I think shed some perspective on this is like yeah it's not all men but it's enough men that we feel like we have to assume or mm-hmm. we feel like we have to take precautions mm-hmm. so I mean, if you're not one of those men maybe think about that you know and I think something that I would hope my my guy friends do is to call out like sexist misogynistic mm-hmm. language among their friends because even if there's no women there it's still not okay mm-hmm. and having guy friends who like actively support women and like call this stuff out or actively support women's sports or women's you know anything to do with mm-hmm. women the, the the men who use their platform privi- privilege and platform to su- actively support women is so meaningful and so i hope if you're a man who does this you know that you are well appreciated mm-hmm. by us because mm-hmm. it's something that's very little for you to do but it means the world to every woman who sees it yes well another sick thing about college life for me is that we have a certain group on campus and i'm not going to name names but you probably know who i'm talking about and there's literally like i've had friends who don't even want to walk past their house because they're afraid of what could happen to them because of the like like the like backstory and all the stories that they've heard Mm -hmm. and that they don't even like want to go there for parties because they're like there's too many girls that get assaulted there literally as a freshman you're told by other people like stay away from them basically like stay away from any parties there don't go there alone if you do go there cover your drinks like they give you a whole rundown like that's your first day of college and it's just insane to me because it's like you're going to warn, like, I understand we should have, like, some, like, awareness of where we're being. But like if that you level, kn- that level of having to, like, take care mm-hmm. of yourself and make sure that you're not brought upstairs yes. and taken advantage of. I remember my freshman year, I went there with a friend, but we weren't, like, we knew, we knew everything, you know, about that place. 
and they would literally they would take random girls and take them upstairs and it was just so scary because like you're in that moment and you don't know um what to really do because it's just like that could be you you never Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen with like those types of things especially if you just think oh this guy is nice he's just trying to be a gentleman i should trust him Mm -hmm. and you get another annoying thing is uh, i had a friend who was raped and my mother who is a girl mom who doesn't technically have any sons or anything said that it was her own fault because she was drinking that's another thing that just annoys me whenever i hear because it's like no she did not have she could not consent she was not able to and on that note i think it's relevant to bring up the supreme court decision in minnesota this is kind of taken like a more serious term but i think it's also important to talk about um so in the supreme court ruling they made the decision that these uh the perpetrator wasn't going to get a more serious charge because the woman had been drinking voluntarily and that using the defense that she was mentally incapacitated because she was drunk um wasn't applicable here because she wasn't forced to drink the alcohol and that's just a very dangerous precedent in my mind Mm -hmm. incredibly dangerous because that kind of contradicts this whole idea of just consent yeah you know like just because that it doesn't matter the way she got to the place where she was if you are someone who sees another person and they are physically helpless or clearly so intoxicated that they cannot give you consent and like enthusiastic participation Mm -hmm. you should never never touch them you should never even think about having sex with them and so people who do think that should obviously have more serious crimes charged against them and i don't know like different state laws about um what constitutes a felony and what doesn't but i know in michigan that when there we had the sexual assault case um a couple years ago uh one of it was they were felony charges Mm -hmm. and every single one stated uh um physically helpless person or incapacitated so in michigan at least um that would be a felony Mm -hmm. and now there's that precedent that if you voluntarily drank and Maybe it wasn't your intention to get drunk. Maybe it just happened. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. that happens. We're all well aware that that just happens sometimes. That your assaulter will not face a more serious charge because you chose to drink. Mm -hmm. Do we want to say anything else before we end? I mean, I just wanted to quickly speak on the gender pay gap. So a few days ago, as of recording, was equal pay day and I just want to kind of like make it clear that women are still on average making only 82 cents on the dollar for what a white man is making and if you put it all together like some women are making more obviously but a lot of women are making even less like down to like 55 cents especially for like Latina women are often paid 55 cents on the dollar that every man is paid and that is just kind of like a terrifying thing like obviously it's it's a different kind of terrifying than what we've been talking about but like it's still like how are we expected to live like these independent lives 
if we can't even make the same amount of money mm-hmm. yeah and for the the jerks who are going to be like uh well women are going to get paid the same if they're in this position blah 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 there's no difference in you know the pay for a certain position it's not about that it's about the opportunities provided to women mm-hmm. and the fact that I can guarantee you that there are fewer CEOs who are women than men in this country mm-hmm. and the paths of opportunity throughout specific companies are not equal for men and women. I even I think it's encouraging now the trend we are going in. Um, but we're still at that point where I was on a panel for the association I was attending a panel for the Association mm-hmm. for Women in Sports Media and one of the panelists said when you are interviewing for a job you should ask about the opportunities for advancement there are for women at that outlet because that's important yeah. if they don't have uh, actual effort to hire women and promote them throughout mm-hmm. the company then it's probably not a place you want to be working at mm-hmm. so I think we are moving in a more positive direction but yeah. there still is that issue that there's just not the same opportunities for women there is men yeah and even at this rate um according to like to the World Economic Forum, it's still going to take 250 years to close the wage gap that there is right now, even at the rate where we are currently like advancing. It's still going to take 250 so years and 2.1 trillion dollars. Month, make sure wow. that you appreciate women every day that in well, your, that are in your well, life. Because you would not be here if they were not every day. Go do something for a woman in your life today. Buy a no book. matter how small it is, you could literally Buy just write them book. a card and make Some them flowers. feel special and know that, you know, they matter in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just means a lot. So go do that today. And thank you for listening. We hope that this has been educational. And we will see you all next week. Goodbye.